Thank you, Devin. Appreciate that. God with us. Well, Happy New Year to everyone. Good to have you here today in God's house. I hope you're uh, having a wonderful uh, break in your life, maybe, from the routine of not working and maybe some time off. And I hope you're certainly enjoying that, as I have with uh, family and friends, and it's been a wonderful time. So take your Bibles, if you will, this morning. I've prepared a New Year's uh, Day message today, and I want to just kind of get jump right into it this morning. Good to see Fran down there at the front, and didn't think I'd point you out there. Well, you got all kind of relaxed, moved the chairs around, just whatever you need to do. <laughs> You're here, that's right. We should be thankful for that. There we go. Exodus chapter 13 today. I'm going to preach a message today entitled, Forward 2023. Forward 2023. These are the thoughts on my heart and my mind, and then we'll go back to the book of Mark next week, and we'll return to it. But today I want to talk about going forward in 2023. Let's all stand together. We're going to read God's Word. Exodus chapter 13. I'm just going to read a few verses. And uh, I want to read verses 17 to 22. And as we reflect on these verses, I ask that the Spirit of God would speak and move over us today as He's prepared my heart for what I want to say to you. Follow along now as I read. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God let them not go through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you. And ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. And they took their journey from Succoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of the cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. You may be seated. Now, as I get into this message today, I want you to know there are all types of people in this room, all generations, all types of cultures, backgrounds that you have. Some of you are young. Some of you are, well, used to be young. Some of you are thin, and some of you uh, used to be thin. (laughs) Some of you are fit. And some of you have pictures from your past to prove that you were fit at one time in your life. But we come from all different ways and all different experiences in our life. There's boomers and millennials and generation Xers and R's and Y's and Z's and a whole bunch more. But I'm telling you this, I've learned this one thing about life. There's not a person in this room, there's not a person in this room where there is something in your life that you would want to change. There's not something in your life that you would want to change. That always seems to speak to my heart. There's always something in everyone's life that they want to change. And if you could, you would change it. And so you hope 
You pray, you expect, and you do all the things that you know to do for them, but you're hoping for change in your life, and you wish it would change. Now, we have a tendency to think, especially at the new year, maybe a new day, maybe a new date, maybe a new decade, and maybe things will get better if we just kind of wait, and that'll ensure a new you. But the truth of the matter is, it's not the movement of the clock that produces the newness of life. It is the movement in your mind. It is the movement in your mind. And I want to talk to you about that today because I believe with all my heart that when I think about change and real change in our life and as we face 2023 before us, uh, people make all kinds of New Year's resolutions. They think about what they're going to change. And they found in statistics that by February 15th, 80% of the people drop their resolution. Just takes about six weeks, and they drop it. 80%. Now, why is it we can be determined about some things, and some things we just can't seem to change? And I've thought about that with God. How is it that God begins to change us? And one thing that occurred to me as I was thinking about this, there was an article I was reading on trendsetters, people who come into companies and change the trend of the company or change the culture of the company or the name of the company. And, and the article was very interesting to me because they said it takes about a year to change the name of a company. And they say on average it takes about three years to change the culture of the company. The culture is far more difficult to change. The culture of a marriage is far more difficult to change. You could change a name, but to change the culture, to change the culture of your life, to change the culture of things and to move and to change. And so I was thinking about how does God move and make change? And one of the things that just became so clear to me is the way that he changes us is he leads us. And by leading us, he changes us. It's not this self-improved life where I'm going to have this uh, goal in my life or I'm going to do this, but it's, it's really allowing God to lead us in such a way that he changes us along the way. Now, when I read this passage of Scripture, I found myself struck by the fact of how God chooses to guide his people through uncharted territory. This is an amazing passage of Scripture, a 40-year journey through the wilderness of the Saudi Arabian desert. And God was going to change them by leading them. How's God going to change you? How's God going to change you? What's he going to bring into your life? What movement? What pain? What joy? What is God going to do to change you? And when you open your heart to that and you begin to think about that, I, I want to say that God changes us by leading us. So I want to talk to you today about God's leading, God's leading, because I think that's the greatest way uh, to change you. All right? I have three thoughts for you, simple thoughts here today that God just kind of laid on my heart that I want to share with you on this New Year's Day. God's leading is, number one, often not the shortest distance between two points. God's leading is often not the shortest distance between two points. I read that in the Scripture. Let's read it again so you don't miss it. And it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war and they return to Egypt. 
But God led the people about or around through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. Now, if you think about this, let me just kind of give you a picture. A picture will paint a thousand words for you. I want you to just see Egypt in comparison to the Saudi Arabian desert and where God took them to bring them into the promised land. And so I'm going to put that up on the screen there, if you can see that as best you can. And if you take a look at that, these are the, there are three routes on this picture that are available to penetrate from Egypt into the promised land. At this particular time, we're talking around 1400 BC. And so they made their penetration into the land. There is, first of all, the northeast route. If you take number one there at the top of the page in the middle and you follow it along the Great Sea or the Mediterranean Sea, that would be considered what is called the northeast route. The northeast route stems from Gaza to Canaan, it's the quickest and the shortest route that you could take. The reason God didn't take them on the quickest and the shortest route is because that land, that piece of property was the most protected and guarded piece of property by all of the enemies, whether it was Egypt or whether it was the Philistines. And so he said, I'm not going to let them go by the land of the Philistines because the Philistines, in order to worship God, they were a God of war. So in order to worship their God, they got to be killing somebody. So God said, I'm not going to put them into that situation. They're not ready for that. They'll repent, turn around, and say, I'd rather live in Egypt. I'd rather live in bondage. So God said, I'm not going to take them on the short route against their enemy. The second route is right below that. I don't have it written on there, but if you go from number one, you go a little lower. It says the wilderness of Shur right there. That would be the middle route from the Negev to Beersheba. And that also had enemies and very few wells as well. And God said, I'm not going to take them on the middle route. And so those are the two routes that God could have easily taken them through there. But he chose to take them on the southeast route, which is the route that is basically laid out before you as best understood by theologians and by interpreters. You cross the Red Sea. You go down the Sinai Peninsula to the wilderness of Zin. The reason that would be a way to go is because there's no enemies to face because no one wants to live there. <laughs> it's desert. It's the Saudi Arabian desert, and so you're not going to have one enemy. It's like it would feel like it was God-forsaken territory, and God says, that's exactly the way I'm going to take them. I'm going to take them on the God-forsaken way. So let me just have you get this in your heart, okay? So you get it in your heart so you can understand it from my heart as well. When God chose to take them on his journey, he took them the long way around. He took them the long way around. Now, the reason I mention that, when I came out from this pulpit to this pulpit today, and I walked from behind that curtain, I have done it for all these years. I've always gone the shortest route. I've always taken the simplest, the easiest, and the fastest route to get to this pulpit. I've done it for years. You know why? Because I've tried to live my life like that. I've tried to live my life between point A and B, get there as fast as you can, go as quick as you can, and take the simplest route. Why would you take a long route? Because that's my nature. I want to get there fast, and I want to get there now. And I've tried to do that my whole life. My whole life I've tried to do that, and God has never let me do that. 
He has never let me do that. My wife will attest to this, the frustration I have felt in my life. 25 years of age. I'm ready to go, God. Put me in the ministry. I've got my divinity degree. I've been trained. Here I am, world. Here's Rob Decker, a gift to you. And you know the first thing they wanted to know? They wanted to know, can you clean carpets? Can you clean carpets? That's what they wanted to know. They didn't care what I had to teach them about the Bible. They didn't care what I had to say about anything else. They wanted to know, can you clean carpets? Can you run a forklift? Can you run a forklift? Yes, I can run a forklift. And I ran a forklift and I ran a forklift till I ran it into the ground. I mean, I've loaded more lumber off of, four, off of railroad cars than I care to count in my lifetime because that's what they wanted from me. They wanted me to run a forklift. They wanted me to clean carpets. And worst of all, they wanted me to shovel snow. They wanted me to shovel snow. If you live in Wisconsin, I promise you this, you're going to shovel snow in your lifetime. That's for sure. I mean, the snow could get three, four feet high. You can't just shovel that one scoop. You got three scoops you got to make just to get a little way done. It was unbelievable. I mean, think about that. Uh, uh, Lord willing, I'll never live in Wisconsin again. Lord willing. I'm just, you have to say that right up front. Let me tell you something. I've been thinking about that word Wisconsin. I think about it all the time. Wisconsin. Do you know if you think about that word long enough, do you know the word snow is in the word Wisconsin? I never realized that. And you know another word in there? Sin. Sin and Wisconsin. Isn't that something? I don't know. I'm not making anything of that. I just want you to know that. But, but when it came to those things in my life, God's always taken me the long way around. Long way around. So when I came into this pulpit today, I told you I came from behind that curb. I walked the straightest, shortest, simplest route. This is the way I come. It's right out and right there. You know what God's done with me? God's done this with me. He said, well, I just don't think I'll let you get to the pulpit as fast as you want to get to that pulpit. I think I'll take you this way. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to crawl over some things, and you're going to have to walk over here. Yep, I want you to go over here. Why do you want me to go over here? I don't know, but that's where I'm going to put you. And then I'm just going to make you go around like this. And sometimes you're going to feel like you're walking in circles. And sometimes you're going to wonder, God, what are you doing with my life? God, why do I have to keep walking in circles? And God's just going to take you the long way around. I have resisted that my whole life. My whole life. I just want to get there. I want to get to the destination. But God has not seen fit to do that in my life. And the truth of the matter is, he's not seen fit to do that in your life. And if you've always got the short route, something's wrong in your walk with God. Because he always takes you the long way around. And I can admit this. One thing I've learned going the long way, I didn't quit. I didn't turn back. And I didn't repent. God said, if I took you the short route, you would have repented, you'd have turned around, and you'd gone back and quit. It's interesting to me that the long route has built character into me in such a way that I didn't want to quit. Now, there's days I wanted to quit, but the deeper focus of my life is that I don't want to quit. That's kind of what God does when he takes you the long way around. Okay, that's number one. If that helped, you can go to sleep now, okay? All right, number two. 
God's leading is not segmented into two different parts. God's leading is not segmented into two different parts. I wasn't sure how I want to do this point. It's a simple point, but I want to make it. The Bible says in verse 21, the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, to go by day and by night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. This is an absolute amazing event to think about. There is this one pillar, and it's a cloud. And inside of the cloud is fire. And the cloud can be so thick on the outside that you can't even see the fire. And it would lead them in the day. And then the, fire, the cloud would kind of soften or thin out, and then you'd see the fire at night. And then it would go back to being a cloud in the day, back to fire at night. And it would guide them. That was their GPS, a cloud and a fire. Now, without getting into this too deep, I'd love to get into this deeper, but I want to at least have you get to see the point of this. The cloud symbolizes the provision and protection of God. The cloud symbolizes the provision and protection of God. The fire symbolizes the holiness and the power of God. You need to see that in terms of God's character, all right? The power and the holiness of God. If I took every dictionary, every encyclopedia, every thesaurus that was in the world, and I had to choose one word word to describe God, it would be the word holy. It would be the word holy. He wants you to be holy like he is holy. Holy is the Father. Holy is the Son. Holy is the Holy Spirit. The thrice holy God of history is the very core of his character, his holiness. Corrupt is man. Corrupt is society. Corrupt is government. That's the core of us, but not God, not God. He's a holy God. His inward character is whole and perfectly good, perfectly good. And he takes sides against anything that's wrong because he's holy. To disregard his holiness is to put yourself on the side of sin. And God says, at my core, that's what will guide you, is my holiness. My holiness will guide you. It's an amazing thing uh, to think about this fire and this pillar. Uh, They could travel during the day and night, the Bible says. Now, some people like to travel at night, and there's lots of reasons we travel at night. The kids will sleep at night. That's a good time to travel. That's not a bad idea. But in the Saudi Arabian desert, it might be a better idea to travel at night than in the day, even with a cloud. Because in the daytime, the Saudi Arabian desert on average is 120 degrees. At the nighttime, the average of the Saudi Arabian desert is 38 degrees. 120, 38. 120, 38 degrees. Just try to capture that in your head, okay? What a miraculous way to lead. God says tonight we're going to travel, not in the day. I mean, you even travel 120 degrees with shade. Let me tell you, that's hot. Okay, but God says... I've got this thing so worked out, I'm going to guide you at night, and I'm going to guide you in the day, and I'm going to perfectly, perfectly in my holiness and in my provision and protection, 
I'm going to get you there. I'm going to get you there. Now, some of you may feel like God's leading is very limited in your life. You're not really sure what's the next step. Here's just what I want to say to you. This is the thought that God gave me. Part of the reason that may be is you're only following God by day. And you're not following him by night. It's possible, it's possible to segment your life into two parts. You got your God time, and you got your non-God time. And you only follow God in part of his leading. So, of course, his leading feels limited to you. You, you, The reality of it seems limited. God says, I want you to follow me by day, and I want you to follow me by night. When you choose to follow God, you are always moving. You are always moving. You are always growing. And when you choose faith, there is no version of you with your church friends and another version of you with your non-church friends. You can't segment your life into two different parts. The truth of the matter is, God says, I want you to follow me at all times, when it's dark, when it's light. When it's clear, when it's not clear. When it's easy, when it's hard. When there's a storm, when there's no storm. I want you to follow me. I don't want you to break your life up into, okay, now this is the time I follow God, and this is the time I don't follow God. Or the spiritual times is when I follow God, and the non-spiritual times, I don't. No, God says, I don't want that. I'm with you all the time, and I want to lead you forward every moment of your life. You can't limit it. You can't limit it and segment it. You can't choose to follow what you want. God says, I just want you to follow me all the time in your life. Okay? That was a simple little point that I had in my heart, and I want to share that. Okay, that was a short one. So let's go to number three. God's leading, God's leading is not primarily focused on the destination. I don't know why this is so hard to learn. I still struggle with it. But God's leading is not primarily focused on the destination. Here's what I thought about. Why not just tell him, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go to the promised land and just tell him where the promised land is. That would be the easy way to do this thing. Here's the promised land. Get there. That's where I want you to go. He didn't tell him where the promised land was. If you go back and read the text, he's just going to go to a land that I'll show you just like he said with Abraham, but he didn't tell him where the promised land was. Now, first of all, I'll just say this. God can do what he wants to do, okay? He's God, all right? If he doesn't want to tell you where he's taking you, that's God's prerogative, all right? But he has been specific with some of his followers. When the Magi came out of the east, I was reading that just the other week, and they came out of the east, they followed the star to Judea. When they got to Judea, they couldn't figure out the specific city. And the Bible says that they got advice from the prophets or from the rulers of Jerusalem. But ultimately, the Bible says when they started to move out, then lo, that star came down, came lower, and it led them exactly to the city of Bethlehem, to where the young child was. That's pretty specific leading right there. 
Why not just put a blinking star in the middle of the desert and say, okay, this is where I want you to go. Go here. Wouldn't that be so much easier if we just had a star to follow? And there it was. And then it would come down low when we need to know exactly where we need to go. But God didn't do that. That was pretty exact for the Magi. But he didn't put a star over the promised land. So I've given a lot of thought to this, okay? You say, what's the deal? Why not let them see where they're going? Sometimes God doesn't reveal a lot about the destination. Has that occurred to you somewhere in your life? He doesn't reveal a lot about the destination. I think about this now through my life as I'm older looking back. When, When I felt and sensed the call of God in my life at 20 years of age, I was seeing a shift. I was in aviation. I was seeing a shift to go into the ministry. I didn't understand all the reality of that or all the destination. I didn't know where God was going to take me in any of that. I just knew I didn't have the skills to study the Bible or even understand the Bible. I had spent all my time for the last three years in aviation at a Bible college, and I was right in the middle of a Bible college. So the first thing I knew to do I was going to seek out godly advice from godly men that were in my life, teachers that were in my life, to say, what do I do? I believe God's shifting me, and I can't even explain it. And I thank God for their godly advice, but I also knew they, one of the things they told me is you also got to seek God. you got to seek God. And so I would start to seek God with my life. And I felt like sometimes I was walking in a fog, because sometimes when you try to follow God... It's not just that he takes you the long way around. Sometimes he doesn't even tell you where you're headed. He doesn't even tell you where you're headed. And we don't know how to move forward sometimes, and we don't know the next step, and we feel lost. That's exactly how God intended to do it. Now, I'm going somewhere with this, okay, so hold on, all right? So I had to trust the leadership of my Lord, and I had to trust the advice he was giving me from godly men in my life at that time. I had a flashback this week uh, studying, and I was thinking back when I was in ninth grade, and in ninth grade, I was on the soccer team. And so when I was on the soccer team, uh, the days I hated in soccer practice were the days it rained. Because if it rained, we didn't go out to the pra- we didn't go out to the practice field because it would ruin the practice field. So what he did is he put us in the gym. Our coach would put us in the gym, or he'd put us in the workout room. I hated those days. I hated those days because I never knew what the wor- routine was going to be like. I never knew what I was going to face, but I knew whatever it was, it wasn't going to be fun. It wasn't pleasurable, and it was going to push me in a way that just kicking around a soccer ball out on a field did not push me. Like, for example, I was thinking about some things I used to do. We used to be in a gym this size, the length of the gym. We'd have to take our leg like this, and we'd have to sit at one end. Now, I'm, I may lose my balance here. Just somebody catch me here if I go over. But we'd take our leg like this, and we'd have to hop across the length of this gym. And then we'd have to hop all the way back. And then we'd have to do it with our left leg. And I'd have to go like this all the way up. That's as far as I'm going with that one, okay? And so... It was, it was some horrible workouts. I still remember them this day. I don't know. I had this huge flashback this week. You'd lay down on the gym floor flat on your belly, and then you'd take a soccer ball behind your head, and you'd, you'd, start to, you'd have to rock. You'd have to rock like this, and you'd rock, and you'd throw the ball to your buddy, and you'd try to throw it as far as you could, and you could only do that rocking on your belly. The only thing that was touching the floor was your belly. 
I couldn't do that today if I tried. I was, I was going to get down and try it, but certainly not in front of you. I was going to try it in my office. I didn't even decide to do that. And then sometimes he, every 15 minutes, he'd blow the whistle and he'd move us around. And no, so we're 9 to 12th graders together when it was a rain day. We'd go to the workroom and we'd do presses and pushes. And Oh, man, we'd do that rowing machine. I hated that rowing machine. And then we'd do these, you'd pull down the thing behind your, your head and then you'd pull it in front of your head and behind your head and, and all along. And then he'd blow the whistle and uh, they had uh, things called like burpees. You're familiar with burpees where you got to go down into a sitting position and kind of pop back up and go down. And sometimes he'd just say, Decker, do 10 burpees like that. And I was like, I, didn't th- I don't think they called them burpees back then. But it was like, it was just, you never knew what was going to happen. Week after week after week in ninth grade. The reason ninth grade hits me is because it's like it's the first time I realized all those things were in create, creating endurance in me. And so everything I had done, I, I, could, I could throw the ball farther now on a throw-in. I could kick the ball farther. I could stand on one leg sometimes. It was amazing. All the things I started to learn to do, I had endurance and skill And all of a sudden, I realized, hey, this coach is no dummy. He's making me better at this, even though I don't even see what he's trying to do. And I had to come to this place in ninth grade where I learned to trust my coach. I didn't want to trust him. I didn't want to do anything he said. But as I began to do those things, I began to realize, wow, he knows what he's doing. My job, my job as a ninth grader wasn't to know the whole routine and what he was putting me through. That wasn't my job. My job was to just trust him. And over time, I watched those things change, and I realized this guy really is helping me. He really is helping me. Now, I want you to just take that story, and I want you to just kind of relate it now to this. Why didn't God show them where they were going? Why didn't God do that? Why did he lead him in a way that seemed very limited? Your vision was limited. Where are we going, God? What are you doing with me now? Why didn't he just show him the promised land? That was the question I had in my heart all week long. Why didn't he just show him the promised land? Because what if the promised land wasn't the point? Maybe the whole purpose wasn't to just get them to the promised land. What if the point was to learn to follow the cloud? What if the point was to learn to follow the fire? What if the point wasn't to get them across the desert as fast as they could? Because that's how I've wanted to live my life. What if the point was to trust in the one who put the cloud and the fire there in the first place? What if that was the point? What if the whole point of the Christian life 
is not just to get something out of God. What if the whole point is not just to have faith, enough faith so that you can get what you want in the future? What if that's not the point at all? What if the reason is not that you can know His plan? What if the reason is not so you can just know His plan, but that you can simply know Him? What if that's the point? Why couldn't I get that in my head? Yes, maybe God's leading feels very limited in your life. Maybe you can't see where you're going or where he's taking you. And if you're like me, you want to know the plan and you want to get to it. You want to see the whole picture before you get started sometimes. That's, that's the way we are. I know I do. The question God was challenging me with this week and lately, really, to be honest with you, is do you want the promised land, Rob? Or do you want my presence? That doesn't come easy. Because I'm not sure sometimes. Rob, do you want to get where I'm leading you so badly that you're missing how I'm loving you along the way? Maybe that's a good question for your new year. You might be saying, I'm ready to be done with that job. But all the while, you're missing what God's trying to do with your heart now. You just want to get done with the job. But he's got you working there. He's still got you doing that, and he's got you in that situation. Maybe he's wanting to work with your heart. Maybe you have a plan. Maybe you have a goal. Maybe you have aspirations in life. Maybe you still have dreams. You have a dream job or a dream life. But you can drive so hard, as fast as you can in doing that, that you become distracted from God's presence. You get more into the goal than you do his presence. I'll just give you a little honesty from my life. Just a few months ago, I preached a sermon here. I prayed over it. I walked down to the front during the invitation. And it was like I had this overwhelming sense that the Spirit of God was speaking to me at that moment. He said to me something like this. You missed me up there. Great sermon. Good performance, but you completely missed out on my presence. I can't tell you the number of times in my life where I have gotten so consumed with where God is taking me that I forgot he's walking with me along the way. I get so obsessed with moving forward 
I forget about the very one who's been with me on the journey the whole way ever since I've been saved. The more I walk with God and move forward with God, the more I learn, while the promised land, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. The promised land is not the point. If the promised land was the point, he'd have shown it to us and he'd have put a sign there and said, this is where I'm taking you. But he put a cloud between the promised land and you. And he put a fire between the promised land and you. He put his presence there. And he put himself there. Because the promised land was never the point. The promised land was never the point. His presence was the point. Why is it so hard to see that? It wasn't to get to the end of the journey. It was to be in his presence along the way. God's presence is the point. It's the whole game. It's the whole game. If you have no idea where you're headed and you feel like you're floundering or wandering, it's okay. It's okay. Because that cloud and that fire is staring right at you. It's staring right at you the whole time. It's been God. It's been God staring at you. Staring at you in the face. Saying to you, would you just spend time with me? Would you just see me? Would you just experience my presence? That's how you move forward. That's how you really move forward. Before you take another step, I want to ask you today to focus on the cloud and the fire. Feel the warmth of the fire by night. Feel the coolness of the shade by day but sense his holiness and sense his presence along the way because his presence is the point. His presence is the point. That's, that's where the real change really begins. Getting that. It's so clear to me now. Let's pray. Just with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I pray that uh, 2023 would be a journey not of where you're trying to get to, but of enjoying his presence along the journey. It's intended to be more real than anything that's precious to you. It's intended to be more real than the most precious relationships you have on this earth. Find him. Find him. That's how God wants to lead you. Father, I pray for this moment. It's so easy for me to be distracted 
by where I'm trying to get. Instead of who I'm with in trying to get there. I pray that over each one here this morning, the reality of a present God would be real to you in the fire and in the cloud. Father, I lift it up to you today and I ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to have Scott lead us in this song this morning. If that needs in your heart today, and God's speaking to you the way that he spoke to me, you come this morning.